Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, publisher of Schneps Media. And I'm delighted to have our powered podcast today with the one and only Judge Judy Scheinman. Welcome, Judy. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Wonderful. I'm so happy we were able to connect. Are you in Naples? We are in Naples, yes. Well, I'm in Palm Sun Beach. Sun is shining. Oh, you are. I, I, I know that you just took charge of the new Palm Beach paper. Right. <laughs> I don't know, Vicki, when we first knew as children, because we've known each other probably, you know, 60 years or more. I want to say I, it's, <laughs> I think it is 60 years. <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably more. I don't know when we came to the realization that there was something else that as women we could do other than what was expected of us, which was, yes. you know, to marry our family and you could have a job as long as you didn't really like it. You, <laughs> you know, a career was sort of out of nobody talked in terms then of women with careers. They said, well, she has a job until she stops working. But I know that there were certain kids, right, that we went to school with that you knew had visions beyond home ec classes. Mm. And you were, one, you were one of them. Well, do you remember when we were involved in uh, you know, writing for, what was that, uh, those uh, every year, the annual, uh, you know, competitions between the freshman, sophomore t- years that we would do the writing. And, you know, when I started Fidelita, I never was a scholar and I, I gave a lot of community service. So I started an organization in high school. And I recently went back to Madison with Matilda Cuomo to start a mentoring program at James Madison. When did, when was that? The year before COVID. So, you know, it had to be that year. Before. Matilda, Matilda went to Midwood and I said, Matilda, I'm in Madison. Come on. You can't have a mentoring program at Midwood and not have it at Madison. Come on. And we went over and met with the principal. And it was weird, Judy. I didn't remember the, the auditorium like it was. It was very strange going back. Was it? I, I, I was back at Madison uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I went back. They have a wall of distinction. You know, lots of people who have become bold-faced names, went to Madison High School. And I was fortunate enough to get a leaf on that role right. of distinction. So we went back and went to, and it was nostalgic, looked at the old house, which is still there. It's mm-hmm. of course surrounded by big apartment houses, but for some reason that house escaped. I think that we got a firm footing in, in high school. Yes. And, and the Good concept of morality, both at home, I know in your home and in mine, mm-hmm. that served us pretty well. Well, I think, you know, um, I, I look back and I think we had a very stable childhood that gave us the roots to fly as high as we wanted to fly. There was nothing that I was told not I could, couldn't do because they figured I couldn't do much. So whatever I wanted to do was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who thought you couldn't do much? Well, you know, my brother, expected my brother, you know that how it was. Yes. I was just okay, well, whatever. Wonderful. I love you. My brother, how come you're not a doctor? You're only a dentist. Yeah. Okay. That was the thinking. Uh, I, our sense of in our home was different. My father always made me believe that I could do 
anything that I set my mind to. Yes. Uh, I thought he had misconception of my capability because I really wasn't that academically smart. Maybe? Uh, no, I was an average right. an average student in high school. And but he kept pushing and telling me, you know, the world is your oyster. I think from him I got that concept that this is a journey and it can be an exciting journey or a boring journey or just a you know, journey from going from one house that's not much fun to the end house, which you're going to get to anyway. Our little world felt we were very uh, protected in our little world. I mean, look, the furthest I went was King's Highway. King's Highway was a long way, and you could only go to the Avalon theaters. Or I, <laughs> right. my mother preferred I go to the Avalon theater because it was smaller than the Kingsway theater. That's right. Thought, all the bums hung around on the street corner near <laughs> Dubrow. Is that right? That's right. Well, I was never. They had the Dubrows. Remember, Dubrows was the hangout place. It was, but I wasn't allowed to hang out there. My, when we wanted to go to the movies, my mother drove us. Right. Picked us up. Right. Drove exactly. us there. Find but, out what time the movie is over. I will be here to pick you up. Do you remember the name of the ice cream parlor on Kings Highway? I was trying to bring no. it back. It's a cute little greens pharmacy here that has an ice cream parlor, and I. I'm trying to remember the name of the one we went to because a man went for Madison that I, I I'm going to hook up with for breakfast one morning. No, I don't. I don't remember, and I know it wasn't Jan's because Jan's was a place out on the island. But it was a uh, there was Jaime's, uh, you know, because I worked at Jaime's, the uh, you know when they sold the locks uh, after school, and then I got a secretarial job, and then you know after school, you know, we were always. Um, I guess I was always working. You had after school uh, jobs. I don't, you know, I don't remember. I had jobs in college, but I don't remember. I, other than babysitting jobs, I think probably. I don't remember working in a retail environment when I was in high school. Mm. I'm telling you, Vicki, I was really not, not extraordinary. The only thing extraordinary about me was my father's will to have me become extraordinary. Well, you know something, that was enough. Well, it's enough to give you confidence. And I think that that's what every parent should want for their children, to give them confidence that they can pursue a dream. You may not recognize that dream, but if you don't pursue it, you'll never get it. Yes. And, so, you know, and not everybody dreams big. I, I didn't have big dreams when I was younger. I wanted. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, uh, but that wasn't a huge dream. I mean, I never thought sort of beyond that. I wanted that for security. I wanted to be able to say I'm a lawyer and I can be self-sufficient. Certainly, I never thought of a television career. That was ridiculous. No, but this has been our imagination. I mean, I own now 88 newspapers, Jude. Jude, imagine yes. that. Newspapers, I mean, it's something that you go to. It just happens when you're in it, like you with the TV, with the streaming now. Well, it doesn't, Vicki, it doesn't just happen. You have to have imagination. You have to have guts. Mm -hmm. You have to be work hard. Yes. And, I, <laughs> and 
And you've managed to do all of those things and have a good time in the process. And uh, I know that your kids are involved in your business, which is terrific because I know that Josh was involved with you for a long time. Yes. And I know that you credit his involvement with your company for allowing it to to stretch and get bigger and bigger. Yes. Uh, It distributed, and I'm not going to use the word burden because it's not, distributed the tasks more evenly and allowed you to do what you do best and and he what he does best and it and in doing so you're creating an empire. It's wonderful. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> it's a great journey. And you know what? I feel we're on a great adventure, this thing called life. And it's just you never know the next corner where what will be adding to your joy and to your adventure. And, uh, you know, to me, it's like I'm on a beautiful ride, even with its bumps and grinds. Yeah, it is. And there's only one go around at it. And as we get older, and we are getting older, uh, you sort of peel back like an onion, all of the things that really don't add value to your life. Mm. I, and I do think that as you get older, Vicki, you also get a little more selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're younger, especially women, I hate to sound sexist, but it's true. They have had the role historically of nurturers. So you couldn't be selfish. You mm-hmm. know? If, you didn't, if you didn't prepare the formula and feed the baby, it wouldn't get done. So you had other people's lives that you were responsible for. Certainly now everybody's responsible for their own life. They're all, you know, middle-aged, our children. And so I think as we get older, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly getting a little more selfish. It's true that, you know, the children have their lives and they don't need me so much. You know, if I check in, it's okay. You know, I mean, they're not going to, you know, uh, they carry on with their lives. And it's like, it's just, you touch them and that's enough because otherwise you're interfering, right? Otherwise, you're interfering and you may get too much information. I like it from a distance and I think it works well because, you yeah, know, you like headlights, you like headlights and taillights. Mm-hmm. Like and it see the headlights. You know, you two like me, you've, you've engaged your kids in the business. And I, you know, a part of this um, conversation is this Power Women podcast that I do. And we, you were my very first interview when I started it a number of years ago. And now we are calling from, you're from Naples, I'm from Palm Beach, and here we are talking to each other and having this wonderful memory lane drive. And I uh, have enjoying it, you know, to have this opportunity. I don't know, we don't get to touch each other too much, but we get to talk to each other. Yeah, we do. We do, and we keep track of each other and the comings and goings and what's going on in family. Uh, how many people do you still keep in touch with Vicky from high school? Maybe one? Yeah. Yeah, one or two. You know, I remember how you were so tight with the five girls or six girls. Sometimes wonder, sometimes I use my little iPad to try to find out where these people are and if they still are. Yes. Uh, yeah. And what they're doing, someone sent me couple of years ago in Los Angeles, she sent it to the studio, 
a birthday pic- a birthday party picture. I was nine, and <laughs> she was there. And it was a little birthday party, you know, that we had in someone's apartment in Brooklyn. Right. Uh, probably in the same building. We were probably in the same building. And she identified the four or five girls. But she still had a memory of those four or five girls. I didn't remember one no. of them. I thought it was so sweet of her to have found that photograph. You know, watched the show. She found the photograph. She sent me a lovely, lovely letter. I said to myself, she remembers those people. And somehow I, I'm also in touch with just a couple. Of well, Elaine, Elaine is just still by your side, Elaine Cohn? Yes. Yes, she is. She's, she's in Florida. She's on your coast. She's uh-huh. in Boca. And we speak every day. She's fine. Lovely kids. And she has lovely grandchildren. She has a nice footprint. All good. All really well, fine. I think um, one of the things that um, Josh and I used to laugh at each other and say we both suffered from attention deficit because once we create something, we're ready to create something else. You know, we're not afraid to do that. And I think, you know, it seems to me that you were sitting pretty on your CBS, you know, uh, Judge Judy show. After 25 years, you decide that's it. I'm on to something else. What happened? What precipitated it? What precipitated it? Well, first of all, 25 is a nice number. You know, oh, they're married 25 years. How terrific. You know, it's, it's a milestone. I never heard anybody say, oh, they were married for 27 years or 28 years. <laughs> 25 is a good number. And taping for broadcast is much more difficult than taping streaming because I don't have to deliver that many episodes. So... I'm working less, which I like because we like to visit around. We've got kids and grandkids and we like our downtime. I do like my downtime, but I like an anchor. I have different energy from you. You like to be busy and involved every day. I have learned because of the way taping goes that I could be really unemployed for four months or five months until we get back to work. You've got Jerry. Jerry's a big part of that, making that, don't you think? Yeah, of course. But I have this time and I like it. And, yes. But I like it because I know I have an anchor to go back to. Yes. And yes. It's still sort of relevant. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why people fear, fear retirement because they fear losing their relevance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder. Well, I, I think I wonder. Well, I, I don't know if I'm going to find out. No, you know, I have no reason not to work until I drop. I mean, I love what I do, and you love what you do, and you do it in the pattern and the uh, of what you fits into your life now, right? Yes. And yes. me bringing in your granddaughter that was such a brilliant idea. How did that develop? <laughs> well, we wanted to change it up a little bit. I mean, I I don't do tap or ballet. I I don't have a good singing voice. So I can't <laughs> do anything other than what I do. We wanted the show to look different and to have a different dynamic. And I remember that in the family court, I always had a clerk and I always had a stenographer who was there to do readback for me, you know, 
something that happens at the beginning of a trial, uh, a word, a phrase, something a witness said. So I said, let's try that. And, you know, we're doing a lot of this long distance. So I, my executive producer uh, interviewed several stenographers in Los Angeles and came up with Whitney Kumar, who was an absolutely delightful, talented, lovely lady, beautiful. And she's been a stenographer for 17 years. She has a twin sister. They started, then they started their own little company of doing stenography for private depositions. So she's able to work for us because she's not involved in the courts. She's involved in private work. And Sarah was in her last year of law school and perfect candidate for a clerk. She's very photogenic. She's got a sort of spitfire mouth. And she <laughs> is a girl. And so I, I said that we're going to have a clerk and I'd like you to do it. She said, what, what do I do? And the first 10 tape sessions, we were still trying to figure it out because I wasn't used to handing off the camera to somebody else. 25 right. years, I did it all. So it, it was a work in progress for me to ask what I would ordinarily ask of my law clerk to look something up, to check on a county ordinance. And I used to have to remember every word, which I still can do, I think. But it's very comforting for me to have a stenographer who can actually read it back. Mm. Um, and it all just seems to work. And it's been successful. And I've had a good time. It was a well, wonderful time. Well, keep on time having working. a good time. I like that. I like it in our lives that we should have a good time with what we're doing. Yes, everybody. You know, I've always, when I speak to young people at commencements and things, I always say, find something that you love to do and figure out how to make a living at it, and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I love that expression. And then when you, you know, you all, you have three generations, I know, that went to New York Law School, and now you've made this wonderful honors scholarship program. Can you tell me how that came to be? Yeah, I can tell you easily how it came to be. The Dean of New York Law School, uh, beginning of December, sent me a lovely email and he proposed this program. And I said, well, New York Law School gave me the tool to be able to do what I do. And even though it had its glitches back in the 60s when I went to law school, it was not welcoming to women. It is now. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, 50% of the class or 60% of the class of women but back then, I think there were only four of us, and we were really as welcome as a skunk at a lawn party. Mm. But they've evolved, and now it's become really a place where women are valued. And there were several women that I came to know, some through Sarah, some through the mentoring program, which we started 16 years ago, that wanted to go to law school, really worked their way through college, and had some debt, but couldn't even contemplate law school because of the expense. Mm. And that it just seemed to me that if you could, when you change one life, you change the world. Yeah. You, you know, 
that's part of your legacy. If you can, if I can create 10 scholarships for 10 young women who want to enter the profession, just think of that exponentially. You do that, you know, 10 a year for 10 years, you have 100 women who have children who will then promote to their children the value of having a career and independence, even if what you choose to do is uh, raise children at home and be a full-time homemaker. But you always should have something to fall back on. And to be Very able to, to do that uh, mm -hmm. was a gift for me. That's a critical piece of uh, making a great life for yourself is to have something to be that is yours. And I think, you know, you've done that. And the, the idea of the scholar program is uh, such a powerful way to have an impact on people's lives forever. Nothing is better than a good education. You know, there are times when I'm, when I least expect it, that somebody will come up to me and say, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but you handled my case in family court. And, and it was probably one of those custody cases or visitation cases that how it changed the trajectory of my life and my children's lives. You know, you can, if you are prepared to, as I say, always said, break a sweat, be prepared to break a sweat and you make yourself expert. It's something that you really like to do. You can change multiple lives. Yeah, and it doesn't matter your profession, even by setting an example for other people, for other young people of a work ethic, of performing to your maximum capability in whatever job you do. That should make you happy and it does add to your footprint. Well, I think, you know, you've added a lot to your footprint. Who would think us little girls from Brooklyn would have come so far to have had this wonderful journey and to keep on journeying? That's my deal, right? Your deal is to keep on journeying. That's, that's the idea, kid. Well, carry on. Idea. Carry on. Vicki, it was wonderful to chat with you. Same here. Delighted to have you here. This is uh, Victoria Schnepps from Schnepps Media. And we've been delighted to have our power podcast with the marvelous, the one, the only, Judy Scheinlin. Thank you, Judy. I miss you and I love you. Love you. Happy 2022. Thank you. Bye-bye.